You are listening to HHS bonus content from the Hillbilly Horror Stories Network. This bonus content is released during the week for your listening pleasure while awaiting the release of Sunday's actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episode. All bonus content will be listed as HHS Presents or HHS Midweek while the actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episodes will have only an episode number and the title listed, for example, 187, The Kentucky Vampires. Those episodes are a longer deep dive into a particular subject. If you are new to the show and the bonuses aren't your style, get the full-length episode to try. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to episode 26 of the Midweek Episodes. Hey everybody. We've got, a, one of actually one of my favorite Midweek Episodes is this one. We've got Philip and Julia Siracusa from the Horsefly Chronicles. Some mm-hmm. of you may be familiar with the story, but man, this is a cool-ass haunted house story. They've owned this place for years, and they come on to actually tell their story of what's going on. So it's a little different than, than what we normally have on these uh, this show, but I think you guys are going to absolutely love it. But before we get into the Siracusas, I want to tell you a little bit about a place in Texas, down at Corpus Christi. So we did an episode a while back on haunted battleships. Do you remember we did that? Yes. And we did three or four different battleships. One of those was the USS Lexington in Corpus Christi, Texas, otherwise known as the Blue Ghost. That was the nickname of the, the, the ship because it was the fastest that they had at the time. Right across the street from where this ship is now docked, there's a restaurant named Blackbeards on the Beach. Now, this place is a local legend just because of how good the food is, and it's been there for a while. The food's not the only thing on the menu, though. And I mean that literally. They actually have a legend printed on the menu. So when you go in and sit and eat, you can see the legend of this restaurant. So the legend of the ghost that haunts the restaurant is something we're going to get into. We're, I'm not going to read exactly word for word what's on the menu i'm going to paraphrase a little bit so you can get the story without it being Mm -hmm. very lengthy in a nutshell this is what it says it says in the summer of 1955 the restaurant was just a bar at that point and it was very popular very popular hangout legend has it that on one of these summer nights in 1955 that an argument ensued between two men over a redheaded woman It ended with gunfire, and one man was dead. The other man was some fast-talking guy from New Orleans. Him and the redhead headed north in the old causeway, and they were never seen again. So Ever. So you got these, the the man and the woman, I guess, the the two men are fighting over the woman. Mm -hmm. The guy from New Orleans shoots the other one. He lays dead on the floor, and they just take off. Over the years... Several visitors have seen chairs move on their own. They've heard voices that are in conversations. And these occurrences have happened after the last customer has been gone. So these, most of the time, are seen by the workers. They've seen doors slam. They've seen the the lights dim on their own. One customer used to always come in and he would always order two beers. And he said one was for the ghost. Just leave it up on the counter every time he came in. Cool. In 1962... There was an amateur magician by the name of Colonel Larry Platt. He bought the bar, and he added the dining room and named it the Spanish Kitchen. Now, all this is still according to the menu. Mm -hmm. It was an instant hit with the locals there. 
Now, some believe the ghosts, some don't believe that there's a ghost, but they at Blackbeard's still leave a beer on the old bar in memory of that summer in 1955. So that's basically what's written on the menu. It was in a lot more detail than what I gave it, but that's what's on the menu. The question is, is the story true? Now, Colonel Larry Platt, who hasn't owned the place for several years, said as far as he knows, most of that stuff that's in the legend didn't happen at least the way that it was put there. I was going to say, is the beer still there in the morning? Well, (laughs) (laughs) he says that the building that's there now isn't the same one that he bought. Oh. He did buy the place, and he tore down the existing building, and he built a brand new one in 1962. So that doesn't, you know, mean that there's not ghosts there. Now, keep in mind where this comes into play is this supposedly happened in 1955. Mm -hmm. So if it did happen, it happened at the old building, because when he bought it, he didn't just add a dining room, like it said. Mm -hmm. He tore the whole place down and built a whole new place. So theoretically, if something happened in 1955, it didn't happen in that building, because that was a brand new building to him. Mm -hmm. So like I said, that doesn't mean that there's not a haunting, though, because he also owned a 16-unit hotel that was right next door to the restaurant. He said that there was this man there. He said it was a very peculiar man. And he actually lived there at the hotel. Every night he would come in and drink a few beers. Mm -hmm. He would also play the same song on the jukebox over and over again. Sometimes to the point where they had to stop him and say, Hey dude, other people want to play the jukebox too. And you're playing the same song over and over and over. Do you know what the song is? I do. It was As Time Goes By by the Rolling Stones. Oh. Now, this guy apparently was in his 40s. He worked in town at the Reynolds plant, and he always carried a hunting rifle with him, which they thought was a little peculiar. He told Colonel Platt at one point that he was depressed because his wife had left him. So he was separated from his wife, which is why he moved in to the hotel. One night, after he drank a few beers, he went back to his room put the rifle in his mouth, and shot himself. Platt said, if the place is haunted, it was probably this man. Not, you know, not disagreeing with the redhead story or any of that. Yeah. But he said this was something that he could probably see uh, a haunting happening from. That's really sad. The current employees aren't sure who haunts the place, but they know it's haunted. They've seen a very heavy door blow open even when there's no wind. And by the way, this door opens outwards. Okay? Oh, okay. So you'd so have to have a wind from the inside, inside to yeah. blow it to begin with. They've seen it blow open even when there was a super strong wind blowing against it. Just think about how hard it would be to open a door if the wind was blowing on it mm-hmm. sometimes. And they've seen this door blow open by itself with strong winds blowing onto it. That should be impossible when you think about it. It should be. One of the chefs has seen a salt and pepper shaker raise off the table and be thrown to the floor. And they said there's also several code spots throughout the whole, or the, uh, the the restaurant to where you can just be walking and it just instantly gets cold and it's not a place where there's uh, an air conditioning vent or something like that blowing on you. But it just feels like you're mm-hmm. getting something right there in that spot. Whoever the ghost is, the chefs are glad that they stay out of the kitchen. So <laughs> But that's the story there. Very cool. So now, let's go ahead, without further ado, 
and get Philip and Julia on here to tell us about their haunted location. You guys are going to absolutely love this one. (laughs) Can't wait. Hey guys, we've got two guests. Julia and Philip Syracusa, they own the Horsefly Chronicles home up in, is it Easton, Pennsylvania, guys? Yes. They've been in this home for 10 years. They've been, a lot of people have been out to investigate the place. They've had so much go on in the 10 years that they've owned it that I wanted to bring them on and have them be able to tell us the story of what happened since they bought the home 10 years ago. So uh, thank both of you for coming on. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us on. Look, these guys hear me all the time. I'm not going to waste a lot of their time yapping. I'm going to turn the microphone over to you and let you tell us what's went on since you purchased the home. Sure. So once again, my name is Philip Syracuse. I'm currently sitting with my wife, Julia Syracuse. You know, people usually say they pick the home that they want to live in. But in this case, the home picked us. Um, when there's unknown supernatural things that cannot be explained, somehow we're chosen as the other part of the magnet into these locations. So, you know, we were renting a a home in a different location in Pennsylvania, and we found this home in an estate neighborhood online through a real estate website, and we fell in love with it. When we contacted the real estate agent, they said the home was under contract with another family. So, lo and behold, I continued to do my research and look at other homes as time went on. And it wasn't up until a month later when I was at work, my wife had gotten in touch with me and says, um, what did you say? The house isn't in contract anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I was excited. But if I would have known what I know now, I would have been unexcited. I'm sure. So we made arrangements to come see the home with the real estate agent. And I remember doing the walk through the backyard, and there was a gust of wind that came from nowhere. But I was more interested in buying the home. I wasn't interested in anything paranormal. You know, I was making a large investment. And we did the walkthrough of the home. And it wasn't up until my wife went in the basement. She goes, come down here. You're going to love it. Because I love basements for rec rooms, pool mm-hmm. table, all that good stuff. And I walked into the basement, it was finished, and I fell in love with it. And um, But there was this one room in the basement. It was this private little room that I went into with them. And um, they didn't think much of it. I just stayed in there. It was painted dark red. It had an exercise machine in there, and it just felt really, really off. I was alone in the room at that time. And I really couldn't put my finger on it. it just the, the energy was off in the room, but I didn't really care, you know. Um, so I did the rest of the walkthrough upstairs to the bedrooms. And um, long story short... From that point on, we made a deal to get the home. And I'm going to say that good spirits and bad spirits, there's a toss-up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the good spirits were trying to stop us from getting the home, while the bad spirits wanted us here. Because during the whole process of the bank approval, of um, getting the house appraised, it was a nightmare. It was the biggest nightmare because there were so many obstacles, in fact, that I just gave up. And I was like, you know what? At one point, I called them. I said, I don't even want the home. Keep it. I'll just find something else because it was right, one yeah. red flag after the other. It was, it was so crazy. then you kept fighting for it. Then I was like, no, I was, for some reason I was very, very drawn to this house. And, you know, most people are drawn to houses that they love and they, they, they like. And But it was a different, now what I know now, it was a different type of, you know, being drawn to it. And I said to Phil, I'm like, no, I'm going to get this house. And sure enough. Um, I made it happen, and we got it. Yeah, so with the closing, uh, the people that we were buying the house from... They were miserable. They were beyond miserable. And you, and I couldn't understand that, you know, because, again, it's an estate neighborhood. you got to have a few bucks, not rich, to live here. 
And I just didn't, and they were unloading your home, so you sh- I thought you'd be happy, you know? And But they didn't even look at us at the closing. They just couldn't wait to get rid of the keys to this house. And but we, were, we yeah. were excited, right? We were excited. And the whole process of getting the house, they were miserable throughout the whole thing. Well, yeah, the whole thing. And they were just a very, very unhappy family. Um, in fact, they were so miserable that, that um, the closing check for them a month later, I came to this residence and I tried to reach out to them. They wouldn't accept my phone call. So I found that a little odd. But again, I was excited. I had a lot of plans for the home. Um, so they just, they wanted out, they got out, and they wanted nothing to do with it. Like, we're done with this. So the first six months of living in the home was absolutely fine. We're a new family in a new home. Um, excited. I had made a bedroom downstairs for my older child at the time. How old was Brandon? He's 11. 11. He was 11 years old. And um, thought nothing of it. You know, he loved his privacy. He wanted the bedroom down here. And that was it. The first six months were good. It wasn't up until a little bit after that that he started complaining that the toys were going off in the basement. But I was working long hours far away. When I would come home, I just didn't want to hear toys going off. I didn't want to hear any of those stories. I want to hear about everybody's happy. You know, we're building a future. Um, but as time went on, more negative energy within the family, fighting, friction. It was at one point I had a, this big picture in the living room and I took it and broke it in the backyard. I thought it was holding this negative energy. I don't know why I thought it, but I remember my kids. Yeah, I was really mad. I was really, really mad because I really liked the picture. It was one of those pictures that light up too. It was like a very weird picture. It was black and white. There was lights. I I just felt like the picture had something wrong with like an attachment. Yeah. So he's outside in the backyard destroying this picture with a hammer <laughs> and, and my kids are out there and I'm like really mad and I just could never understand, you know, why you wanted to do that. But yeah. I think you had your reasons. Yeah. Yeah. But there were the wrong reasons. Um, I would have kept the picture if I would known what I would known. So what was different about the home is that the energy was off. I remember being off on the weekends from work and I just felt like this abundance of weird energy, not high, not low, just weird. Like, I could. I was restless. I had to get out of here. So I joined the gym in the local area. And I, remember I said to you, I have to get yes. out on the weekends. I just don't feel right. Yeah. Not that I was scared or anything like that. It's I just felt like the energy was just... Unsettling. Yeah. It, uh, it's very hard. The energy was you just... can't focus. Off. Yeah, in the house. I have mm-hmm. to get out and, and just... And that's what I did. And, um, you know, long and behold, it wasn't up until... 2011, I believe, Yes. that my son, who had the room in the basement, developed pancreatitis at such a young age, which is very unheard of, and he wound up in a hospital for a long time, right? Yeah, and the doctors said that, you know, it's very strange an 11-year-old would get this. Yeah. Because, you know, that's a disease, like, grown men, you know, would be getting after 30 years of drinking. Yeah, something like that. And I, I just couldn't understand it. Um so you, you, but Phil said we have to get him out of that room, and we got him out of the room, and he was slowly started getting better. Yeah, so we made a room upstairs for him. Um, we got him out of the room, and then little mysterious things started to happen, but nothing that really, really frightened us. Um, it wasn't up until 2013. I woke up five in the morning to get ready for work, and I see a shadow the size of a cantaloupe floating around the kitchen, but very, very fast. And at first, I thought it's the lights flickering or the cast of the sun. I really didn't. I really didn't think much of it, but it was weird. And I uh, went to work, told my coworkers, and like, you know, there's something weird going on in that house. But you know, it was just talk. And I remember coming home that night and seeing this thing again bouncing around the kitchen. It's like a basketball, a little small, but really fast. When I was telling you about that, yeah, I remember, but I, and, didn't, uh, I didn't want to believe or really understand what you were saying. Yeah. So, you know, that was one of the the occurrences. And then a little bit after that, 
Christmas time came around. I think it was a few months later. Me and my wife were out in New Jersey. Again, this is Pennsylvania. She goes, oh, no. We were sitting down in a restaurant. Um, she goes, I forgot the stove on. And I remember just running out of that restaurant, um, driving really fast to get back to Pennsylvania. And you came into the house first. What happened? It, the stove was off. The stove was turned off. It was turned off. And can you turn the stove off? No. Can it be automatic or it has no. to be USB? No, it has manual? to be turned. Yeah. And that was a little weird. It's How an much? electric stove, so you, you physically have to turn it to, to well, shut it. Well, it's a gas stove. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean, a gas stove. So you physically have to turn the knob to shut it off. Yeah. Was there smoke in the house? No. No. Do you remember that? I think there was a little bit of smoke. I don't remember any of that. I just was so... I knew I left the stove on, and I could not believe when... Ha I just couldn't understand how it would just turn off. Yeah, so that was, well, they saved the house. They were pretty smart about that. So little things started to occur. Um, then the toys started going off more in the basement, my son claimed. And then I decided in the summer of 2014 to have a paranormal team here. I don't know much about paranormal teams or equipment, but I've seen these guys on television. One guy was an ex-cop. I was like, they got a little bit of credibility. Let me just give it a shot and see what they say, you know. The worst they'll say is that you're crazy. The bulbs are flickering. The light's casting. The sun, whatever. And there's nothing here. Have a good day. And they came on a Saturday, right? Yes. It was a Saturday. And there was a team of about six, seven of them. And um, I, I was just outside. And you were upstairs. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the uh, people on their team, their eyes turned black. And I remember this other lady running out, and she's throwing up on my front lawn. I'm like, what's going on here now? You know, this is crazy. <laughs> and um, long and behold, they were being affected, but I really didn't understand you it. You still didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. I didn't understand it. So they finished the investigation. Um, it lasted about three hours here. They got back to me a week later saying, we have to talk to you. Um, and they says, well, we're not coming back to the house. We'll talk to you verbally over the phone. And they says that you have demonic entities in that home, and I laughed. And um, they says, well, we have pictures, we have recordings of growls, we have pictures of something that looks like an entity, and to top it off, our, our team has been affected by this. Um, so, you know, that was a big, that was hard to digest, right? Yeah. That was like something that I really didn't, as a New Yorker, you didn't, you didn't feed into it. I got a thick head, I really don't believe in much stuff like that, not like that. So I decided I'm going to have another paranormal team come here that doesn't even know these people. And I did just that about a month later. And um, they came down a month later on a Saturday once again. And I wanted to see if, if they would just pick up anything, you know. And unfortunately, they were doing the walkthrough in the kitchen. And their team leader got scratched on the ankle. She starts bleeding. And things started to get really, like you felt the static charge in the home, like this negative wave of energy. As if you're walking through a fog after a heavy rainstorm. That's what it felt like in the home. And they had these K2s. They had a spirit box. They had all this different stuff. And... They were affected, and they did their investigation, and a couple of weeks later, they says, let's meet at the local diner. We're not coming to your home again. We met at the local diner, and they showed me the pictures, and they made me listen to the recordings, and they said that some of these orb-looking things are red, and red is not good. It's not good at all. So it was... Now I was starting to realize that it's it's real. This is not fake. Um, and we're living it. And this is why my family's fighting. My pictures don't fly off the walls. My walls don't bleed. None of that. This ain't the movies. It's a real haunting. And I didn't put the word demonic into it. They did. Um, so at that point, after I got the evidence, I decided, once again, because I do have a thick skull. A third team. I need more proof <laughs> because I just don't believe anybody about anything. No. And I had a third team come here. 
<laughs> and these people, the people that you probably see on television, and uh, they came down and they did a thorough investigation and says, get the hell out of the house. Yeah. What are you doing in this home? Now, don't forget, the home is not old. It's built in 1996. It's fairly new construction. I'm like, well, you know, you would think like it's the old homes and the right. built near a cemetery and stuff like that. They're affected because no one's going to think new construction is in a state neighborhood is going to be affected by demons, never mind ghosts, you know. And at that point, after they did their investigation, they claimed to be circled by a black fly or a horse fly uh, before coming here, during here. And after the investigation, I felt a little odd because it was it was February. Yeah. It was February. And yeah. it was a little odd that that would happen. Coincidence, maybe. I mean, it's insects all year round, but who knows? You know, it is Pennsylvania. After that point, um, I says, I, you know, now I'm going to write a, write a book about this whole thing and tell the world that this is real. And I remember uh, I says, you know what? I want to do a radio show. And the first radio show I did was with a co-worker. And I had gotten a psychic involved from New Jersey. And we did a radio show. We're talking about what's going on here. And I'll never forget the radio host says, you know what? I don't believe a word you're saying, but thanks for coming on my show. I says, okay, thanks for having us on. A week later, he sends me an email to never reach out to him again. Now, he's out in Tennessee. So we're 12 hours away from him. He goes, ever since you've been on my show, disembodied female voices screaming are frightening my children and myself and my wife. Whatever is attached to you and your story is affecting my family. Goodbye. Remember that? That that was a little weird. That's extremely weird. Yeah. And what was actually happening was that we unleashed something that we didn't even know we were unleashing. And I guess how that works is that when the house pulls you in, not only does it pull you in, it kind of gets you involved at what it wants you to get involved in. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it ramps up the negative energy in the home. When it does that, they get stronger. And then more fighting and arguments and all those things start to manifest out of nowhere. And not that you're going to see a demon for face value, because you don't. But what you do see, what starts to happen here is you start to see these casting shadows along the wall that, quite frankly, cannot be explained. And on top of that, you get the recordings and some of these pictures, you know, some of the pictures look like, you know, it could be an optical illusion or some kind of matrix in. But when you really, really study all these different types of pictures, it's no more a coincidence. It becomes a fact that you're living it. And up to date, within the 10 years, we tried to leave the home. Like we At one point, we like, we'll just get out of here. Let's sell it. Let's be done with it. But the home knows how to keep you here. Um, it knows how to affect you. You know, after that, I lost my job, right? So the finances went down. There was more problems within the family, more medical issues going on. I'm bringing in more teams because I'm not convinced. And lo and behold, it's, it's like a stirring melting pot. And it knows exactly what it's doing. It's casting its own spell, but just on everybody that's getting involved in the case. And I decided about a year after that, in 2015, to write a book, but not in my words. In the words of the paranormal investigators that came here, say, hey, you, you put it in your words and I'll put it in a book. I'm not going to alter it, edit it, nothing. And it's called The Curse of the Horsefly Chronicles. It's their word for word of what they dealt with during and before and after investigating this case and how it has a lot of mental effects on us and people and them. It's not, like I said, it's not a home where you're going to come and see things move. But it's a home that you are the ghost. And it's mm-hmm. I'm saying that because it's as if it plays you. You're the vessel and it controls your emotions, your thoughts. And I decided to have atheist people here, people who don't believe in heaven, hell, God, demons, nothing, just to see what they would say. Like, And, you know, they came here and they would say, well, the energy is off. 
we don't believe in anything, but something is different in this home. So I thought it was feng shui where the home is just not, it's built off, you know, built wrong. It's off-centered with whatever. And, um, but it, it, it turns out to be that the home is an evil place that we've been trying to leave, but it seems like it knows how to keep us here. Yeah. And those stories and those movies that people say about the home keeps us here, we can't leave because it affects our, our health, our finances. It puts a stronghold that isolates the family between cousins, friends, relatives. It does that. It knows how to isolate you. It knows how to you. you and isolate you. Yeah, and that's what it does. To date, there has been over 50 teams, psychics, mediums, remote viewers, Wiccan, shaman, priest, ministry, to do exorcisms, to do clearings, and it fought back. And it fought back against every single person that has come here to try to remove it in the most mysterious ways, whether their cars would break down, heart attacks. Um, it's the root of all evil. So we gave up on the fight. We gave up on trying to move. And we said, you know what? Let's prove to the world. Because at the same time, people say it's fake. It's fake. Let's prove to the world that it's real. And let's have paranormal teams bring other people and do investigations here. And we have events. And that's exactly what we did. In 2017, we had National Ghost Hunting Day with Brian Cano. Now, Brian, is a, he's on Haunted Collector with John Zaffis. He's a person who's skeptical and scientific. And I remember sitting in the basement alone with him the night before. I was like, what do you think is going on here? You know, you're scientific. You really don't put much into believing of demonic entities. He says that he believes that the home is built on a portal, a portal of energy that cannot be explained. The next day, National Ghost Hunting Day, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. Every technical difficulty on a computer, phone, laptop, you name it, it went off. It just it, wasn't, it, it just shut worked. it just shut things down, put it on, shut it down. And at one point, he was outside my home doing a Facebook live, and his car alarm's going off. And he acknowledged it. He's like, "Yeah, this is this is what it's doing." You know, they know how to play you. And um, we had another event after that, another big event called Dinner with the Ghost. And Dinner with a Ghost Travels the World, and they did an event here, and we had a lot of non-believers. There was about 20 people here, a five-star extravagant dinner that they set up, and the whole thing is to have a nice dinner and investigate, you know, the, the location. And I remember people, they were like, you know, we had big military people here that, quite frankly, they wanted to see what was here, but they didn't believe it. Like, we don't believe in none of this stuff. There's nothing here. Show us. And after that, about 30 seconds after that, all the liquid in everybody's drink not the table but the liquids in the glasses started to shake and about five seconds after that the military's guy's girlfriend starts having a problem breathing and she's choking and we had to get her out of the house and all of a sudden the dark shadow flew by everybody's out now on the front lawn and they're like you know as big and tough as we are in the battles that we fight we can't fight this we're out of here we didn't want to finish the dinner it's scary because when you really challenge evil it will challenge you back. And there's no time in the spiritual world. They don't have a watch. We do. So in some cases, this thing may not affect you here. It may just go home with you and wait a month or two and then cause problems for you. And, you know, this is what we do now. We teach people through podcasts and radio shows that this is real. And it's not just my home. There are many, many locations around the world. And that's what we're learning by bringing all these people on yeah, our show. And we'll learn. We talk to them. We develop um, an open skill of, it is true, maybe one day science can prove everything that we can't, but as of right now, it's supernatural, and these things do exist, and they come out at the most mysterious times, and when you're dark and vulnerable and you're weak, they will attack you and your family. 
So, you know, people say, well, how do we survive this case? You have to be mentally strong. If anybody in this home had a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or an abuse addiction, this would be the next murder like an Amityville Horror because they know how to play off your weakness. And that's what we've learned. Evil can play off your weaknesses and destroy you and everyone around you. So having a strong mind is if you notice an argument within the family, leave the home for a little bit. Play music that you like. Open the windows. Don't don't burn sage in this yeah. type of home. Now, sage is good, and it does work in regular locations. When it's an evil location, people may have different opinions, but we realize it makes things a lot worse here. For it's us. like yes. for us. It just fights everybody at that point. So to date, again, we've tried to remove it. We've gave up. Um, I'm sure in the near future we will be looking to um, relocate far away from this home. No family should live here. Because and I the, guess that's one of the reasons why we keep pushing it back a year or two. Because who... I we mean, don't want another family living here with children. I mean, it's well, gonna, even if a family did buy the house, gonna, you don't want other kids here from another family being I'm affected. That's what i to say. Like, who's going to buy the house? It's going to be a family. Like you said, this is an estate area. This is a family-oriented neighborhood. Tons of little kids. Who's going to come here? It's going to be a family. And I guess... Yeah, you know, it's a family we, home. We are the right kind of family because, you know, we are all lighthouses and we're, we're, lear we're learning how to deal with it, with our abilities of what's going on here. Exactly. But what, if, what happens if you have a family that moved in here that and, they, and they have a drug or alcohol exactly. addiction and they use that to relieve their stress? They're doomed. They're doomed. And then we would feel guilty, right? Yeah, and no, nobody's going to believe us. No like, one real believes. Estate. We're told, we're not, real estate doesn't care. They, they care about care. the money, not about you or anybody. So it's not like in. you can sit there and say, oh, yeah, you know, the house is haunted. You know, look it up. They, they're not going to care. No, is, they care that's about That's my cash. opinion. Yeah, you're right. So they're not going to care. And no one, the family's going to buy this house. That's yeah. about it. No one else is going to buy it. Not a single person. And, it's good and if they have family. any kind of, like I said, addictions, mm -hmm. they're all screwed. Every one of them. It's going to be a family that is not going to be able to deal with this. No. And that's scary. And that's why we're the third owners, and the first two families didn't last very long here. No. We're the longest-lasting family. We tried to contact the original owners of the home because we had found a wooden high chair about a year and a half ago in the attic. Um, very old wooden high chair from like the 50s, 60s, deep in the attic as we were looking for our Christmas tree one year. And um, it was a little odd that someone would leave that here. And what's also odd is that there was a picture caught in 2017 on the top banister of what appears to look like a little boy, um, out of the reflection of the front window. Well, a day later, I kept retaking pictures, and it wasn't the boy. It was something more sinister in the same exact spot. So what we've learned is that these are called shapeshifters. They can transform into anything. You know, Now, this was Native American land, in which most of the Northeast was. We found out that the Iroquois Indians did lose a battle here on this land. And, you know, the Forks, Delaware River, Eastern, certain parts of New Jersey, and there was a lot of bloodshed here. Some of the pictures that we did capture looked like false face masks that the Indians would use to scare off their rivals. So can it be them in the most mysterious ways protecting their land? It's one theory, um, because I'm sure that they knew what they were doing with the supernatural, and they were very spiritual people. But why would they be affecting people like us and people that investigate the case to learn only what's here? Or is the house built on this perfect storm of demonic energy where these rituals were done by Indians? Yes. Two cast spells against their rivals, and we just happen to be living in it 
and it's coming straight from the basement up. Yeah. Incredible. That's one hell of a story, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's scary because we live it, and you don't know what's next. You don't. You know, I'm 52 years old. I'm pretty built. I'm really not afraid of anything, but i got to be honest with you. If you tell me to come down the basement at 2 in the morning by myself, I'm not going to do it. It's that element of surprise that can give you a heart attack. You don't know what you're going to walk into. And, and, and quite frankly, you're probably not going to see anything. But these shadows, they just have a, a weird way of casting through these walls in the basement. And, and that, when that happens, like you know that they're watching your every move. Definitely not something I want to experience in my everyday life. Yeah, I don't blame you. And you know, you know what though? I'll give you guys credit. I love the attitude of we're not just going to turn this place over to another family that don't know what they're getting into. Um, you don't hear a lot of that. I know the only time I've really heard that before, uh, obviously not, I don't, I'm sure you're probably familiar with the case, but obviously Bob Cranmer and the, uh, Demon of Brownsville Road, he kind of had that same approach because when I asked him, why didn't you just sell the place and get rid of it? You know, because he had young kids that were going through a lot. And, and you know, his he had the same kind of mindset. He was like, man, I, I can't turn this over to somebody else and have the, you know, have them unwillingly become participants in this, this you know, horrible experiment, basically. So uh, I, I respect both of you on that same account for not doing that to other people. Thank you. I mean, it's hard. Like, like we said before, you have, if you, you have to have a strong mind to live here. I mean, there's people that have come into our house and they look at us and they're like, how do you live here? You couldn't pay me enough to live here. Yeah. Um, I, 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 with this one medium says, come live with me the night she came here. I was like, yeah. get out of here now. Come live with us. I'm like, really? I just can't leave my home and go live with you. I got bills. I got, you know, I got work. I have everything here. But that's how. He was dead serious. Yeah. And that, I think that's what they're feeling is that, and, you know, I've taken a lot of heat. It's fake. It's make-believe. You're just trying to sell your book. And that's why I said, you know what? Let's get the biggest people down to our home, and let's see what they say. Let's see. Bring all your equipment. And you, I'm not, don't believe a word I'm saying. Let's see what they're going to say. And sure enough, it's one of the most documented cases in the United States. I don't believe Because never... of the work that we have done. Yeah. You know, that proving that the existence of these things and it is are real. It's not fake. It is not make-believe. There is another dimension. It's through the other veil. It's a veil, and they can come through and, and go back and forth as, as they please. And these locations are like magnets. It's like the... Uh, the negative part of a battery built in the ground, and it knows how to take everything from you. When they come here to investigate, their batteries are dead within an hour. Mm -hmm. People are feeling drained. They don't even want to investigate no more. Everybody's getting tired, and that's what it does. It's the effects of drain everybody and everything. Even their cars might go outside and be dead, dead batteries. Or ours. Yeah, but too many times our batteries are going dead or something breaks on us. So, you know, you may not see it. You may not ever say it, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist because it does. You're going to feel it. Yeah. Well, Philip, Julia, how can people keep up with what's going on with the Horsefly Chronicles? How can they get the books and, and uh, where can they follow you on social media? Okay. Well, we, you can find the books on Amazon. Um, you can follow us on Horsefly Chronicles Billboard, uh, on Facebook, the Horsefly Chronicles Case Files, our radio show, we have our show every Friday night, 11 p.m. EST, on Paranormal King Radio Network. It's Horsefly Chronicles. Um, you, you, you can find that on Facebook. I mean, we're pretty easy to find. And we have Instagram and Phil, too, Philip Syracuse and Julia Syracuse. 
and YouTube. So people would say, well, let me see the team. So if you type in the Horsefly Chronicles on YouTube, there's about 50 different videos from myself and teams that investigate the location. You'll find that. Or you can Google the Horsefly Chronicles and get an abundance of information from various people around the world who've been here. So we put it out there because, you know, I, I say this all the time. I'd rather die a man who taught the world that the paranormal does exist than die a man who lived in a haunted home and told the world nothing. And you, and you came into this as someone who didn't believe in the paranormal, correct? I didn't believe. I, I had always had my questions, but to this magnitude, no, not at all. Not at all. Well, I'm really excited that you guys chose to come on and tell the story on this show. I know our listeners are going to absolutely love it. Uh, of course, we'll post all the links and stuff to uh, your YouTube and to the books and everything. Uh, so everybody can readily find it on our uh, our social media. So thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing this with everybody. Thank you so much for having us on. And the one thing we want everyone to know that listens to this show, um, it does exist. It's real. And that's all we can say. Thank you so much for having us on. No, it's no problem. Thank you, guys. Have a great, <laughs> Have a great night. night. See, I told you that story wouldn't disappoint. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> Well, guys, that wraps up another week of Paranormal Encounters, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, guys. We love you.